welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and we'll be talking about The Kid Who Would Be King. Jan, do you want to tell us a bit about this movie? I sure do. The Kid Who Would Be King is a 2019 film. It was written and directed by Joe Cornish and is a British and American distributed by 20th Century Fox. It stars Lewis Ashbourne Circus, Dean Chaumu, Tom Taylor, Rihanna Dorcas, Rebecca Ferguson, and Patrick Stewart. Just a side note, Lewis Circus is the son of Andy Circus, the actor who played lots of things, including Gollum. Paul, would you tell us a little bit about the plot of the kid who would be king? Sure. When Alex Elliot finds a sword embedded in a stone or concrete, it's a little unclear actually to me, uh, in a construction site, he draws it and in so doing becomes the heir to King Arthur, but also awakens the evil Morgana who is plotting to plunge the worlds into a second darkness. No, that's Sauron, who's plotting to kill everyone he knights kids and uh turns enemies into allies and learns to fight and defeats evil and everyone lives happily ever after that's approximately what happens (laughs) he also meets merlin along the way he meets merlin so objectively how good of a movie is this i think it is a much better objective movie. I think objectively speaking, it is a much, much better movie than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. In terms of acting, I have never in my life said a bad word about Patrick Stewart. <laughs> so he's in this movie and it's great. Yeah. The kid actors, this is like... I thought you were going to be like, I've never in my life said a bad thing about Patrick Stewart, except now. No, still. <laughs> no, he was fantastic. He was, he was barely in it, but no, the yeah, parts that he were, were, were good. It, this is, uh, the cast is very heavily uh, kids. Mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart is the only, like, the, his mom exists. Yep. She has a very small role. Yeah. And Patrick Stewart plays, like, an adult version of Merlin who goes back and forth in his age. Other than that... It's like virtually all kids. Oh, the principal. Yeah. Um, the child actors, I thought, were mostly good. Yeah. I thought that the main kid, Alex, played by Lewis Circus, was, was quite good. And then, I mean, they didn't do, ask them to do a lot of range, nope. which is good. They just kind of had an adventure. Like, what they asked from him was very, like, earnest. Uh, earnest do-gooder, mm-hmm. right? And he did that. Yeah. At one point he had to cry and it was not great. But uh, that's a really hard thing to ask of a kid. The two bullies, the older uh, Kay and Lance, Mm -hmm. who become knights and are bullies, they were fine. Yeah. (laughs) They were also not a lot of range was demanded of them. Yes, exactly. And they achieved not a lot of range. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The writing, I thought was very good, actually. Surprisingly good. I was expecting it to be bad. And I have 
high standards for Arthurian adaptations. Yes, you do. Or I don't know if I have high standards exactly. I have, uh, this isn't objective anymore. I have very specific uh, preferences. Mm-hmm. Not so much high standards. I have very specific preferences. So putting those aside for a second, the like quality of writing... I thought it was really good. It was really well plotted. It was well plotted. It was really straightforward. It was just like, you know, your standard, your quest. They go on a quest and they don't achieve the quest and they have a second part to the quest. It was very formulaic, but in a good way. Yeah. They did not throw a lot of twists in there, but that was good. That was for the kind of movie that it is. It was really good, actually, that there weren't a lot of twists. I'm trying to think of what saved it because I feel like a lot of kids' movies these days would have been like that, but bad. Like formulaic kid actors... So what was it that made this movie better than your average live-action kid actor movies? That's such a good question. I think it was the humor. I think it was the writing. I think it was the writing. I think that basically it was all these other movies try to... A lot of movies try to achieve this same thing and just uh, mess it up. Mm -hmm. So they weren't aiming very high. Yeah. It's a straightforward plot. Get from point A to point B and defeat the obstacles on the way. And they didn't throw anything in, like, they didn't throw anything into the plot to uh, fancy it up and accidentally ruin it. Mm-hmm. This is going to sound like damning with faint praise, but it's actually much more difficult than it sounds. Is this just, like, pulled off that straightforward plot? Right? Like, it's it's the... It's a demonstration of how amazing competence is. Mm-hmm. The writers aren't doing anything flashy, but they're doing everything competently. All the characters have motivation. All the characters have individual, like, character arcs. And they're generally not complicated, but nobody ends this movie where they started. Yeah. They have specific goals. They are achievable and they all like the task that they have to do has appropriately high stakes is appropriately difficult uh but is also believably achievable and like all of that as i say it it doesn't sound like that big a deal but just the amount the number of movies that don't pull that off Mm -hmm. this movie is not aiming for the moon no but it achieves, I think, basically everything it aims for. Yeah. And that makes it really good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, um, yeah, I think most of it is the writing. Yep. A part of it is the, like, actor who plays Merlin. <laughs> He's just great. He's a lot of fun. Uh, so, moving on, let's go with some non-objectively. Non-objectively... What did you like about this movie? Did you like this movie? I really liked it. I expected not to like it. Yep. I said, and I don't remember whether I cut it out or not, so I'm going to say it again, and maybe I'll even include this rambly part about I don't know whether I cut it out or not. I have very specific preferences in terms of Arthurian adaptations. Uh, I didn't expect to like this movie at all. Mm -hmm. At all, at all. And I did like it, and part of that is what we just said about it just achieves everything that it aims to achieve. Yeah. It, it demonstrates competence across the board. And part of it is they did a lot of uh, doing with Arthur what I want people to do with Arthur. Yeah. 
Which they, I, had all the, they had all the characters and plot points and relevant things that you like? Well, they didn't have all the characters and plot points that I like, but I... There, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There are a hundred more things that someone could do with Arthur that I would also like. Mm-hmm. But what they didn't do is any of the stuff that people do with Arthur that I hate, mm, yeah. I guess. There you go. <laughs> Which I don't necessarily say is wrong or bad stuff to Arthur do with Arthur. It's just the kind of stuff that would make me really annoyed. They don't. They didn't really do. Which is, I generally wouldn't have liked it if he was the reincarnation of King Arthur. Yeah. Which a lot of stories, Arthurian stories, want to do. And I basically never like it. Mm-hmm. Arthur in the present. This was like Arthurian in the present, but he w- they were all... Uh, modern characters. Yeah. Except Merlin, who knew where he was and understood stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I liked that. I really liked, like, I said this to you when the movie was over, that it felt like an 80s movie set now. Like the absentee parents, like, <laughs> except for the mom who's worried about him, none of the other parents of the other kids seem to care at all where their kids are. And it was, a, so it reminded me of, like, the Goonies and Little Monsters and all, and, like, that strong tradition of those kinds of movies that I just feel like they're not quite making those movies anymore. But this was like that. This was, a like, a really fun thing for kids these days to watch and see this like adventure i feel like it could really resonate with kids in the exact same way that goonies did for our generation and that's partly i totally agree and it's partly what we were just saying about like appropriately difficult but achievable tasks for children Mm -hmm. that like wasn't quite believably achievable but it was close to it Mm -hmm. and it was appropriately high stakes and appropriately difficult and like it's giving kids actual achievements in the movie yeah which is like you root for them so hard yeah exactly exactly no one's getting them out of it except merlin kind of pops in and is a merlin x machina every once in a while but that's kind of merlin's role though uh, well maybe not that's gandalf's role yeah it can be it's fine (laughs) i don't know enough about king arthur i'm so sorry (laughs) literally no one else does (laughs) (laughs) not just in our house (laughs) yeah um so let's get into the way Way, 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 too too, too, seriously portion of our show let's where would you like to start taking this movie way too seriously well maybe let's start with some of the good things things that i appreciated about this movie um, mm-hmm. it's really easy in a movie like this to make it all men, to make yep. it all boys, because King Arthur is very all boys, and they didn't. They added uh, Kay is a girl, yeah, which I appreciated, even though she's the one girl of the group, which our kids were not impressed with. Our um, I recently introduced our kids to the concept of the Smurfette principle. Mm-hmm. And they've really been noticing it and annoyed with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, uh, just as a side note, they discovered the one show that has the reverse Smurfette principle, and uh, that show is Shira. We've 
uh, decided to call that the bow principle. It's now called the bow principle. There you go. So I'd love to discuss that with anyone who wants to at me about Shira. Um, The... But, however, it's good to have her there and mm-hmm. uh, and not fall into the trap of, well, all of King Arthur's knights were male, so all of the people are boys Yeah. thing. And then there's no romance. Mm-hmm. There's They have, uh, you almost feel like, oh, are Lance and Kay going to be like a couple? They are not. Or not explicitly, even a little bit. There's no, uh, you know... A Guinevere stepping in to like get between Lance and Alex. They're not trying to be that explicit about the King Arthur story, and they're not doing a romantic overtones, which I appreciated. Yeah, and I liked. I mean, this is less seriously, but just their names are Lance and Kay and Bevis, who is Bedivere basically, but they have recognizably Arthurian names they mention it in the movie but they aren't those three characters in the movie don't correspond to the characters in the legend or their roles in the legend which I thought was a good move mm-hmm. Lance wasn't Lancelotish. yep Kay wasn't Kayish. yep uh, Bevis wasn't Bedivere-ish yep I thought that was a really good idea <laughs> that was yeah it was a good choice to make that okay. distinction there's also, like, Bevis and Kay are both uh, people of color. Mm-hmm. The principle. That's the where principle. I really give this movie points, is you have a principle, and you could so easily stick a white dude there. And they don't. They stick a woman of color there. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, uh, purposeful or not, that is something we complain about. That mm-hmm. incidental characters don't need to be white male for sure and that was this movie in in more than one instance but the principle is the main one there's a degree to which arthurian legend and anglo-saxon identity has been co-opted by white national nationalists so having in an arthurian story as like you know they're going to rescue britain it would mean a lot in a bad way if they were all white yes absolutely right absolutely so i'm glad that they avoided that i am glad Kay was there as a girl i kind of agree with the kids that it was it seems a little bit like crumbs Mm -hmm. to me yeah fair that there's uh four there's five of them four of them in merlin Mm -hmm. and one girl yeah. Who is like, well, I guess we got to include a girl. Yeah, maybe. I I didn't... I mean, it was better than nothing. I don't deny it's good. But I, I don't know. I don't want to give this movie too much of a cookie for that, personally. Fair. Fair. Should we get into the Brexit thing? Go. Oh, I thought that you maybe had thoughts. <laughs> sure. This movie coming out as it... At the time that it did, it feels like a uh, commentary on Brexit because it's a movie about Britain being divided and we need to unite. And then you add to that in the context of it being a commentary on Brexit, the t- days are dark. They have days, days are, uh, you know, dangerous and dark and gloomy and everyone is unhappy in the world. They, have, they showed newspaper 
covers with the headline is gloom which i thought was fantastic that was really great and even like the leaders are bad they're like they're straight up being like Theresa may is terrible (laughs) we don't have any leaders it's a country and it was a little bit about the world but it was about britain yeah britain is now a country that's divided and leaderless Mm -hmm. and it's a long tradition in Arthuriana that King Arthur comes to set things right when they go very wrong. Yep. Um, how they described what it means to have gone very wrong seems hard, seems really easy to read as a commentary on Brexit and the divided Britain that exists in the post-Brexit age. Mm-hmm. Because of the really emphasis on division. Yeah. Lack of unity. Yeah. And, frankly, uh, they they avoided the whole, like, and now it's all solved at the end. They solved the immediate problem of Morgana. and But then they were like, well, now what do we do? There's still problems in our country. And so Merlin is just like, you can, you have the bravery, you have the, you can, you know, make change. And I really, I thought that was really good, a good note to end on for the movie is not to say, you know, oh, we beat the immediate terrible bad guys skeletons on horses but to then empower the audience mm-hmm. to go and make changes one thing i really liked uh there was this subplot that alex thought that he was because he pulled the sword from the stone he was descended from arthur uh which means his dad who was not around in the story like who is absent from his life when the story begins must have been descended from Arthur too, and must also be a chosen and uh, must know all of this stuff. And so mm-hmm. part of the plot is that they go, it's not really a subplot, I guess. Part of the plot is that they go uh, to Tintagel where his father lives and try to find out from his father what he's supposed to do. And then when they get there, they find out that his father is an alcoholic and didn't care about him and the book that he has been told all his life was given to him by his father was actually his mother wrote his father's name so that he would believe that his father loved him when his father didn't uh give him anything Mm -hmm. and there's uh there's lots frankly there's lots there we could talk about but what i'm driving at is then merlin appears and says the sword doesn't care who your father is. Mm-hmm. The sword doesn't care your ancestry. You're chosen because of who you are and your character or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I liked that because a lot of Arthurian legend retelling, a lot of retellings of Arthurian legend are like the Da Vinci Code-ish uh, about blood and blood purity and the true heir of the true line of who is the rightful heir to the iron throne (laughs) you know like and that's bollocks (laughs) (laughs) because monarchy isn't because the right to rule part of the point of arthur is that the right to rule is not given by your lineage and a big part and like and that has a huge statement on brexit of like it doesn't matter if you've been in england for 10 generations 50 generations or one generation you still belong here you can Mm -hmm. still you know it's about your heart and i liked that as well 
And just like, in Mallory's version of Lord Arthur, Mallory's kind of the authoritative medieval text of, of Arthurian legend, Arthur pulls the sword from the stone and that's the sign that he is the he's the child of the previous king and also he's anointed by god which is the sword of the stone is the sign of and also the commoners acclaim him and cheer for him and also he wins a battle and also he persuades the barons to support him and there's like mallory gives us kind of five or six different standards by which someone can become king right yeah and I would say does not prioritize one of them over the others. Mm-hmm. They, they just all come one after another, right? Mm-hmm. And I like that this movie doesn't make the mistake that so many Arthurian interpretations do of like, oh, it's just about uh, heredity. Mm-hmm. And it not only doesn't make that mistake, it explicitly is like, who cares about heredity? <laughs> yeah. I really liked that because I was we were watching this movie and the beginning there's like a, an animated beginning that kind of sets up the background that says like the true son of Uther and no one knew who was his true son and that is an integral part of Arthurian legend but I was getting ready to in the way too seriously discussion of it be like they they pushing so hard on lineage and heredity and then they were setting me up because they undid all of that, I think, really well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm really glad that his dad wasn't in it at all. Yeah. But he too. turned out to, like, not be anyone. Well, he turned out to be... Yeah. And that his... You know, there's the moment in the movie where he's so mad that his mom loves him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That, that, uh... I also, frankly, I liked that, too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot about it that I liked and that I thought was really well done in a serious terms. It was um, a surprisingly good movie. It was. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about very seriously? One bit of specialized Arthurian nitpickiness that I want to bring in, <laughs> because I think it actually kind of matters and it's a complaint. Yeah. A lot of this movie they did very, very well. One thing I think they did not do well is the chivalric code. They said, like, you have to take the code. Take, make the, the oath of chivalry or however they phrased it. And the oath in this movie had four parts and it was... Let's see if I can remember what they said. It was, uh, like, respect those that you love. Always tell the truth. Uh, never give up. And like, what was the other one? I don't even know. And it like, it was just weak. Mm-hmm. It was a weak oath that didn't demand. Very, I said what I liked about this movie is it made demands of the kids that that were actually difficult that they actually achieved, and like, these were not uh, high demands at all. No. And they were not thoughtful demands. Like, not only were they not difficult to achieve, but, like, respect the people you love. Don't respect anyone else. That's, like, it was just low bar. (laughs) Uh, Clearly put in so that they could 
like you have to meet this oath to defeat Morgana and then let's conspicuously make you not meet this oath so that you can grow as a character okay fine like let's spell it out very clearly you're not respecting your mom that you love I guess but it's just like the the uh, moral demands that chivalry made of them were weak compared to the actual oath of chivalry is never to do outrageously nor to murder and always flee treason by no means be cruel give mercy to them who ask mercy uh, always give ladies damsels and gentlewomen succor upon pain of death also no one take battles in a wrongful quarrel for no reason or for any goods and on to this they were all sworn right and then there's what was that about suckers <laughs> sucker to ladies and damsels and gentlewomen we could complain about uh that being benevolent sexism and it is but in the it context it super is and i don't dispute it but in the context what it means is people who don't have swords to defend themselves you defend them mm-hmm. right and that's what was massively missing in this oath of chivalry was defend people who need defending like that's the key to chivalry yeah this is the chivalric oath is protect the innocent defend the defenseless don't do battle for the fun of it or in a wrong cause but defend the people who need defending and that wasn't in this idea of chivalry at all I thought I was disappointed by that. Yeah, absolutely. No sense of protect the weak in there. And like they put it in the movie. Alex starts out the movie. They're like the bullies are picking on his friend and they're like, leave him alone. Why should we? Because there's two of you and you're bigger than him. Mm-hmm. That was a great moment. Yeah. Why should we? Wasn't like because I'll pe- punch you. It was because you're bigger than him and there's two of you. So you should leave him alone. Yeah. But then they never articulate that as what chivalry is yeah it was fun this movie was fun but it wasn't uh super consistent in that kind of thing mm-hmm. and i don't like i'm gonna say the moral the ethical system of chivalry i am not holding up as a perfect ethical system it's massively problematic in all kinds of ways but the mm. core of the chivalric oath and what it implies is don't misuse your power. Mm-hmm. You have power. Don't misuse it. I mean, like they don't care about uh, peasants <laughs> at all. Like <laughs> ladies, damsels, gentlewomen. They're all class. They're yeah. all the same class as knights. So they don't care about peasants. There's nothing in there about like protect the poor <laughs> at all. Interesting. So is it good? Is it seriously good? I think it's good. I think it's good. I think it's surprisingly good. Okay, you say that. Let's just, like, (laughs) dial it back a little bit here. We enjoyed this movie more than we expected. Yes. This isn't Paddington. No. This isn't, you know, other movies that we think are really good. This is, like... You know, it's good. So I feel like maybe medium good. Maybe Just so we're not overselling... It's execution, I think, is good. Mm -hmm. It's conception, like, I keep saying, 
it didn't aim very high, but it hit what it was aiming for. Yes, exactly. Right? It's not doing anything groundbreaking. It's not doing anything amazing. It's not doing anything that you're going to, like, go away thinking about what, uh, how this pushed the uh, standards of movie making forward. What I would say is it's one of those movies that if you have kids and you're they're aging a little bit out of cartoons or and like this kind of preteen 10-ish age, this is the perfect movie for them. Unlike Jumanji, which mm-hmm. was not, this movie is great and you'll enjoy it as an adult. Yeah. That's what I think it's it's medium good. And so like you'll sit okay. you'll you can sit there as an adult and go this was kind of fun and your kids will be like yeah that was amazing unless they don't like this kind of movie which is fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will agree with all of that. So maybe good is overstating. Medium good, but why I wanted to call it good is that I think it achieves everything it wants to. Yeah. Uh seriously. Seriously. I would call it medium good in terms of seriously yeah i think it's got some it has it loses something for the smurfette principle Mm -hmm. and for just the like not very thoughtful about ethics Mm -hmm. yeah it's just like there's nothing super bad about it like it's generally a decent movie you know like i don't think there's anything that pushes it into bad at all, but I don't think there's anything that pushes it really great. No. So yeah, I think medium is maybe the place for it. Would you say medium or medium good? Mm, it avoids medium some good? pitfalls. But yeah. It avoid, but it... But it also hits some pitfalls, like the Smurfette. Yeah. My judgment is medium. Medium... And medium for both. Medium good? Yeah. For both? I'd call it medium Maybe medium good, good for, for both. both. Medium good for both. I think it's a better movie than medium implies. Just slightly better than medium. Yeah. All right. Well, oh, the last thing that I wanted to say that I didn't... I just want to... Before we move away from this, the title is bad. The Kid Who Would Be King? Yeah. Because it's the... It's a crappy title. I don't like it at all. I hate it as a title, actually. It's like a big part of why I thought I would hate this movie. That's a bad title of a bad movie. Yeah, okay. That's fair. It's not a good title. It's a reference to the Rudyard Kipling short story, The Man Who Would Be King, King, which was made into a movie, The Man Who'd Be King, starring Sean Connery and Michael Caine, which is about, like, some white dudes who go to India and are so white that they make them king. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good call. And they're not that, thinking any of that. that. They're just like, something about a kid being king, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, That's... I don't like it at all as a title. It's a, it's like a pop culture allusion to something that no one in the intended audience is going to refer- recognize. Nope, not at all. <laughs> in fact, I thought it was a King Arthur reference. No. Isn't the boy who would be king a King Arthur reference? No? No. Okay. The man who would be king is a Rudyard Kipling story. Well, there you go. Well, if you've read that Rudyard Kipling story... No, no, wait. If you've seen The Kitty Would Be King or want to see it or want to know more about it, it bombed at the box office, apparently. So that's a bit sad. It didn't deserve to bomb. It didn't deserve to bomb. It deserved to be kind of a fun movie for kids. But 
sadly did not work out for them. I expected it to be terrible, though, so I wouldn't have... Yeah, maybe the, the promotion of it. I didn't even hear about it until very recently. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to talk about it, how do you do that, Paul? You can find us on Twitter, at WTScast. You can find us on Facebook and Reddit and Instagram and all those places. You can send us an email if what you want to say is longer than Twitter allows or secret. (laughs) (laughs) Way too seriously cast at gmail.com. And if you like this show, please do rate and review us so other people can find it. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your relatives, tell your neighbors. Uh, And if you want us to keep going, uh, your support will make that happen. And you can support us on patreon.com slash clockworkscast. And we will be eternally grateful. All right. That about wraps it up for us. We do have uh, our 100th show coming very soon. If you have any comments or things you want us to talk about, put things in order, do a bracket, something, let us know in all the ways we just told you. So... I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. Kneel, and I will knight you. Okay, I'm currently kneeling. Sir Jan. (laughs) I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) You really need to come up with better endings here. (laughs) Oh no.